0: Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here with you as always. And we have a very special guest today. The Knicks, so far this season, not doing as well as we would have hoped. Uh, So obviously that puts them at this current juncture of the season in the lottery conversation. So we figured we'd snatch that opportunity with hopefully brighter days to come, but who knows, to take some time to talk with our buddy Jonathan Wasserman of Bleacher Report You might know him as at NBA draft on Twitter and Gavin, in the first part of this two part episode, we talk a little bit about the top three guys that project to be available in this draft.
1: Yeah, it's really exciting to get to get into some draft conversation. Man, I've been watching YouTubes of Chet Holgram for, it feels like 10 years at this point. So it's so cool to talk about him as a practical prospect now. Um, we, we talk about all of the upside in the world that he has, the comparison between him and Evan Mobley, whether Holgram could have that same success as a rookie. Then we get into Duke star Paolo Banchero, how he would fit on the Knicks potentially, whether that would force the Knicks to trade Julius Randle in that dream scenario where the Knicks move all the way up the draft. And then Jabari Smith, the guy who's really risen into this conversation. So all that and more right now on Locked on Knicks.
0: You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your
2: team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. He without a five. Ewing for the win. yes. Up, up, left, now fires three. He's three, three,
0: four, and he's fouled. All right, welcome in to Locked on Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need, and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. And without further ado, I will send us right into our conversation with Jonathan Wasserman of Bleacher Report. All right, welcome in to Locked On Nick's Alex Wolf here. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Site like The Strickland, and he is Gavin Shaw, my normal co-host, uh, he is your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster and as we said in the intro we have a very special guest today we have Jonathan Wasserman he is the lead scout and NBA draft analyst for Bleacher Report of course a returning guest uh John you've been so kind as to come on here like pretty much every draft season since we've done this podcast and i feel like you're usually our sort of primer guy that comes on and and gives us the the first look at some of these prospects because you do probably some of the most work of of anyone in the draft scene as far as staying on top of this stuff uh, uh year after year so john how are you doing and uh how's the the early part of this this draft cycle treating you after what seems like the last two have been like back to back like back to back to back now where we've we've had like three draft cycles in the course of like one
2: yeah no but uh it's it's good to have them going again and hopefully they could stay on the floor and already every time i look on my phone, there's a new game being canceled. So uh, hopefully uh, they can keep the season going, and there's a lot of exciting prospects. I know the Knicks right now are, you know, it seems like their pick is getting lower or better by the week. But um, I talked to a scout yesterday who's like, I'm really liking this class a lot more than I thought it would. So uh, th- there's good feelings going around for this potential uh, this, this 2022 draft.
1: John, I wanted to quickly circle back to last year's draft because I, I saw you fired off a tweet about Miles McBride last night. Obviously, we watched the game. We were really excited about the performance. Um, I know he was someone that, if, if I remember correctly when you came on, you were pretty high on last year and thought teams were maybe underrating a little bit. Um, I'm not sure how much of last night's game you got to catch, but uh, what, what what have you thought about his play so far in, in the two Meaningful bits of action he's gotten, and uh, how excited about are, or how excited are you about him going forward? Because to me, he's he's flash stuff that I haven't really expected, just even beyond like someone who thought he was going to be a really good role player eventually. Yeah,
2: I I, I caught both games, and uh, McBride was somebody he was I think uh, 17 on my board. So for him to first of all fall to 36, I didn't really understand what was going on there. Um, but I mean, he's the shot making is going to cool off. But it's just really the defensive energy is something you knew he could bank on. And like when you watch McBride play, it's like you know that he gets it. Like I have to be like an unbelievable defender to stay on the floor, and that's where my value – that's what's going to separate me from the other young guys and what's going to get me a rotation spot. Uh, what's cool to see is how how quickly he's making shots. Uh, and you can see, you know, in the open floor he's got some burst, And he's just a high-energy guy and, and uh, a, a versatile shot. In that tweet, I, I think it said he shot 46% off the catch last year, and he hit like – 55 dribble jumpers. So I think that helps him fit in. You know, he could play on and off the ball. The big question with him coming in was like, is he a point guard? Can he really facilitate for others? And is he a good enough score to be a two? That's just nitpicking in today's world, right? I think uh, if you could do a couple things, right. And you could, you know, fit in easily and, and, and have that versatile skill set as a shot maker, you're going to make it work. And, and again, he just knows that he just, he just gets it. He didn't force anything last night and he played to his strengths and he did exactly what he needed to do, what makes him better than everybody else, and that's defend.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, before we move on from Deuce, I figure, did you see anything indicating that he could be the playmaker that he was last night? Because I thought that there was like a very distinct, you know, two halves for him, right? Like the first half was very aggressive with scoring the ball, and then the second half he was really looking to get his his teammates involved he Was running a great pick and roll with Mitch like was finding quickly and found Fournier for a really great uh, look in the corner at one point. Like, but do you think that that was always kind of hiding below the surface or do you think this is something he's clearly been working on?
2: I think it's something he's been working on. So his freshman year to his sophomore year, at West Virginia, he doubled his assist rate. So we saw a lot more playmaking last year. And I think what we saw last night was like, he showed some really good self-awareness, right? He, he, he got hot early, then he missed a couple shots. And then he said, I'm not going to force anything. I'm going to focus on hitting my guys in, in the right position and making, Pretty much a lot of simple reads. Like even that, like extra pass to quickly when he hit that three, you know, on the wing. Like he could have easily taken the catch and shoot jumper, but quickly was hot. He made a quick, easy pass. He just he sh- he may not be like a nine assist guy every night, but he showed a good enough head on his shoulders where he knows like okay when am I when I, when I should settle in and look to facilitate versus when I should hunt for my shot.
1: So I guess zooming out a little bit, John, I mean, looking at the big picture with the Knicks, this is a team in sort of a a strange position, right? Because they've been for the last 20 years, like you could talk treadmill of mediocrity. They've been on the treadmill of bad, but not quite bad enough to get the guy who will eventually change their franchise. And now there's a core competency to this team, right? The front office seems to be in a really good place. Clearly, Walt Perrin seems to know what he's doing, um, making draft picks. Uh, the roster is not fantastic, but certainly has talent despite their struggles this year. All that being said, where do you see them being positioned coming into this draft? I mean, let's just say right now, um, they're somewhere around like the eighth or ninth pick. Um, if they finish there, is this a team that is in a position to be sort of choosy and say, hey, we we have Julius Randle locked in. We have maybe RJ Barrett locked in. Maybe we know Emmanuel quickly and Deuce McBride, if not starting point guards of the future, certainly guards of the rotation going forward. Is this a team that says, all right, what is the final... Or maybe not the final piece, but what is a piece that fits in with that group, or are they far enough back now, especially given how this season is gone, that you're just looking at them and saying, who is the best talent available? Doesn't matter if they're a power forward, and you some you have to trade Julius Randle. Who is the best talent that can elevate this Knicks team?
2: You know, I don't know what they're going to do, but I, I got to imagine that they're not going to go backwards and try and you know start to build with more draft picks. I mean, they have a lot of young guys, and they're kind of running in place right now, like you said. And so I I wouldn't be surprised. And they really haven't since Rose took over. Like they haven't made any major trades, right? I mean, they. they, No. I I feel like eventually. I mean, other
0: than the other than the Derek Rose trade, maybe you know, but that's not even. But they didn't. They didn't give up anything in that. Yeah. yeah.
2: Right. Exactly. I got to think that they're going to be aggressive with with the picks. You know, they have what they have. uh, They still have a Dallas for a Dallas pick for what? Yeah. Charlotte, right?
0: Charlotte And Charlotte's for this year. Yeah.
2: Right. I got to think they're going to try and do something with these picks, including theirs this year. And I don't. I haven't studied enough about who's going to be available, and I know you know Turner's been on Turner and, and Sabonis and that Indiana team. There's guys going to be available. I got to think that they're trying to think of trades because you know at, at some point they got to make a move forward, and they got too close last year to suddenly just go backwards with with rebuilding and draft picks and stuff. And they already have a bunch of like you know Toppin and Grimes and McBride. They got to feel good about those guys, but eventually you can only have so many young guys in the rotation, and with Randall and this in his prime and, and back ready to like enter his prime. Hopefully they're going to do something. Um, and I got to imagine they're going to use picks to do it.
1: All right, guys, it's about that time again. Let's talk about Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there with you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and helps save them over $100 million. So don't fall for subscription scam. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA.
0: So let's just uh, imagine a world here where things don't work out for the Knicks you know like as they have so far I I told you before we started recording the reason that we're getting the show in now when the Knicks are as bad as they are at this moment I don't think they're gonna stay quite this bad for the whole season um you know this is sort of our one opportunity to say hey the Knicks are in the lotto you know maybe there's a chance they move up and they end up with Chet Holmgren or something uh but I don't think this is gonna hold up necessarily the whole season but assuming it did and the, and the Knicks end up a lotto team again, you know, and maybe have a chance to move up uh, and select one of these top guys in this year's draft. Do you think it's like, I feel like this year it's kind of cruel irony, you know, that the Knicks might be backsliding like this. And this is probably the best draft for Biggs since like 2018. But even that draft was mostly centers, you know, most of those guys projected to have rim protection and stuff like that, which is something that the Knicks crave and have been getting sporadically from their previously elite rim protectors this year, like Mitchell Robinson, Nerlens Noel, Taj Gibson, have all had their separate struggles. So if it was a class like 2018 where you could have gotten, you know, someone who projects like a, a rim protector, great, awesome. That would be fine to end up in the top of the draft. In this class, it's like mostly power forwards and guys that kind of project to be have at least somewhat similar skill sets to like Julius Randle or Obi Toppin. Uh, who are probably the Knicks' top two players at this particular moment? At least on any given night, those two seem to have a case for being the you know the top player on the Knicks. So, what do you think about the kind of like cruel irony this year that if the Knicks would say end up with the eighth lottery odds or something this year and then win the lottery, it would kind of be a crappy situation for them in some ways because they'd have to make a lot of really tough decisions. I think.
2: Right, so if you go down the list of guys who they'd be choosing from, and it's pretty much three guys, and I know it's early to even say this, but it seems like th- that's who it's going to be. It's going to be uh, Paolo, Chet, or Jabari Smith, top three. I can't see any situation where that doesn't happen. And so in terms of fit, like with Julius, I mean, the guy who offers the most rim protection is obviously Chet Holmgren, but he does project better as a power forward. Likely you'd really want you know a true center next to him. Because he's not somebody who's going to anchor your paint. He's more of gonna be probably like a weak side rim protector. Having said that, his defense is outrageous. Like his defensive, his combination of defensive tools and, and mobility with defensive IQ is like unmatched, unmatchable. I mean, I don't I can't remember a prospect like that. Of course, you have to throw factor in, you know, how well his will his body hold up at 195 pounds right now. And that's really tough to predict. But again, in terms of Defensive talent and intangibles. Like I don't, I don't, can't remember scouting another a better prospect. Um, and then the other two guys are are, I'd say, limited defensively. Like Julius, like like particularly by who is, uh, in my mind, projects more as like a one-way player, and and very similar to Julius. Um, he's actually a lot of uh, there's a lot of mid-range in, in his game, and and Jabari is a little more of of your typical stretch for... Um, really good three-point shooter right now, uh, which suggests he can kind of fit in with every anybody, but also not somebody who's going to add a, a ton of rim, rim protection. So um, a, a lot of offense between those two guys. Chet offers the most defensive upside uh, of the group. But again, ideally you pair him with somebody who can also anchor your paint, and I'm not sure. I do like the idea of Julius at the five sometimes, but you know, long-term or, or for a, a, a full length of the game, I'm not sure how realistic that is.
1: Um, I know to a large extent, and this is probably a, a lack of uh, college basketball knowledge on my part, um, they're very different players, but do you think there's any comparison between Chet Holgram and what Evan Mobley is doing this year? And there's the fact that Mobley, like, obviously, I think he's about 20 pounds heavier, so it's a little different, but as kind of an underweighted big coming in and making, I mean, one of the better rookie campaigns, two-way campaigns in recent memory, is that encouraging to NBA personnel on what Chet Holgram can potentially do in the league?
2: I think it is, and and whether it should whether it, like it whether seeing Mobley do so well, you know, should that impact your evaluation on home run? I'm not sure the logic is right there, but I think it's it's gonna actually play out that way. Like people seeing Mobley play well as a skinny big man, they're gonna say, Okay, I guess I'd take my chances that Chet could do the same. And yet I I've seen people who are like, Yeah, they're they're different. They're pretty similar in terms of their strengths and their weaknesses. And um, I'd say Chet's actually Further ahead as a shooter, he's been shooting threes before Mobley was shooting threes. You know, forget the percentages. You can clearly see he can make threes and he's got a nice looking stroke. Um, and then uh, the defensive versatility, being able to get out in space and then block shots. Like they're both very good passers. Um, neither of them are like post heavy bigs, they're face up guys. And so I think there's a lot of similarities in their skill sets and then also their physical strengths and weaknesses. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think – and I've had Chet going number one since the beginning, and I still do right now, even though that there are some who don't think that. But, uh, again, I think it's going to help Chet that Mobley's playing well. I think just like, you know, it, it just messes with your mind seeing one guy with a similar frame succeed and suggesting that Chet could do the same.
0: Yeah, speaking of guys with similar frames, uh, you know, it's kind of impossible, I think, for Knicks fans, you know, and this has been a name that's come up any have I've tried to discuss, you know, chat with anybody, is Porzingis, obviously, was of a similar, you know, build, the, the hyper skinny coming into the league, um, you know, had the sweet shooting, the defense, all that stuff. Obviously, Porzingis coming into the NBA was more of a mystery box. There's a reason that he got booed on draft night and then surprised everybody when he showed up and and started actually playing for the knicks chet obviously has been like you know one or two in his draft class for years now it's it's been him and Paolo fighting each other for that number one spot um you know for years now and and trying to you know establish themselves as that top guy sort of like uh i don't know like like a uh, Brandon Ingram and and Ben Simmons or like Jabari Parker Andrew Wiggins type deal where they just keep going back and forth but like would you say that what I've seen so far from Chat that really makes me think like this kid isn't like Porzingis really much at all is the much better handle and the passing ability like do you think that those are the skills if you were going to explain explain away like those Porzingis comps to a Knicks fan. How would you do that? Would it would it basically rest on that passing and the ball handling ability right out of the box?
2: So from a skill set point of view, yeah, those are like we see a lot more grab and go stuff from Chet, uh, and a lot more blow by moves from behind the arc from Chet. The passing is clearly a plus, like a, clearly a, a big difference maker. Like I was doing a, I don't, I'm going to screw up the numbers here, but like I think Porzingis, you know, five years into the league, like his career high in assists was five. And Hogram had five assists in his first game at Gonzaga and has like at least three to four every single night. Um, his passing IQ is just like on a whole nother level. And and there's just a lot more of that makes teammates better, you know, box that you want to check with Chet than there is with Porzingis, who, you know, when we when he was in New York and, and I haven't watched him that much in Dallas, but there was a lot of one on one stuff, which is fine. Like that's he was built to be that top guy, but there's a lot of stand around and watch him, you know, go to work. Where Chet is like totally team-oriented and just has a much higher IQ at both ends of the floor, um, and he's also a dog. Like Porzingis is like a diva. Chet is like intense. Like I want to rip your head off, and you know, just really intense compared to Porzingis, who you kind of you get the feeling that like people should cater to him. And Chet's not like that. He's he doesn't smile much. He's uh is a real competitor, and I think scouts have already documented that
1: um, now like a third and two, his college season. Is there a concern in his game outside of the weight or is that really the only thing that scouts are questioning?
2: That's it. I mean, I, otherwise it's like shooting like 80% inside the arc. No, he's not shooting a high percentage from three, but he can clearly make him. I guess if you want to nitpick, his free throw percentage hasn't always been great. And so it makes you wonder about his, but we're talking about like 17, 18, 19 years old free throw percentage. Like He can clearly shoot. Uh, otherwise, it's just wait. That's that's really it. And durability. And you know, can he last? But there hasn't been any you know knock on wood major injuries with him coming in. And uh, there's no questions about his work ethic. It's just wait. Is our guy's going to play through him down low? Is he going to be able to create separation facing up and knock guys off their line, off their path? But uh, otherwise, from a skill perspective, from you know, defense, like mental, like everything checks out. It's just that body.
0: Just briefly, like before we move on to, to Paolo Bencero, um, with Chet's body, like you have been doing this for a pretty long time. So I, I think you've probably gotten a sense of like who has a frame that's buildable upon and who doesn't do you look at, at Chet's frame and think like, this is a guy that can put on the requisite like mass to be an NBA center potentially someday, or do you think he's probably stuck as a, you know, a, a power forward type guy?
2: I think there'll be lineups. I mean, I think whether he plays center or power forward depends on who he's guarding. And mm. uh, sorry, this crazy ambulance outside my. Oh,
0: lane. it's all right. This is the, uh, it's the alarm going off. These are the alarms going off about uh Chet Holmgren, right?
2: <laughs> right. Well said. Um I don't know how much weight he's going to add. Like, what if he ends up at 220, can he play center? Like, probably. It just depends on who he's going to be matched up with that night. But um, I always found it tough to predict, like, who's got to buy. You know, people, like, throw that around so loosely. Like, oh, yeah, he's, he can fill out so easily. Like, how do you know that? You know, I, you just I, – I find it tough to predict. But you got to imagine at 19 years old, he could at least go to 210, 215. Um, and, again, everyone's been telling him for so long, like, you have to add weight. So he's going to, this is not like a a new thing for him. It's going to be a priority the second he gets drafted. He's going to have, you know, experts and nutritionists and and pro trainers, like doing the highest level guys, getting him to add as much weight and strength as he can. So um, will he be able to play center? I think some nights, but I, I imagine he goes back and forth throughout his career.
0: All right, we're going to take our second break. And just a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds. It's delicious and healthy. There's so many flavors you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie built bar gives you that extra fuel. You need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, built bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw it in your jacket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it because it's the season of peace and love. Don't bring up your favorite built bar at family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor. They'll fight for it and things can get out of hand. Are you friends with Santa? Well, tell Santa to throw a few built bars in those stockings, with so many flavors, they'd make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. I know if I find some cookies and cream in my stocking, I will be a happy boy on Christmas morning. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret dip your built bar into a pup- piping hot cup of cocoa and let it melt a little and give your beverage a bit of that built bar flavor. Plus, you'll have a nice, melty built bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple napkins on hand. If you like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays, you need to get your hands on built bar puffs they're light, fluffy and marshmallowy, marshmallowy through and through with different flavors all covered in chocolate. They taste so good, you won't believe they're filled with protein. So go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order today. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And today's show is also brought to you by betonline.ag. Betonline has you covered all season with more props, odds and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, the NHL, boxing, and UFC. write down your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts and now we get back into it with jonathan Wasserman.
1: all right so then uh moving on to paolo benchero um maybe maybe my favorite guy in this draft just just i i watch him play and i sort of question just like looking at like the size and the skill level and the shot like um, and and it's because Chet is amazing is the answer, but like he just seems like your prototypical number one pick in terms of what you're looking for from an attributes perspective. um is there is there an obvious comp to him? I know Alex, I think you wrote in Randall, like I, I've heard taller mellow before. Is, is there is there someone you see when you watch him or is he is he sort of a somewhat unique prospect given that height and that skill level?
2: He's like the guy who everyone was hoping Jabari Parker would be. sure, right. So he's I mean, obviously parker flamed out and had a lot of injuries but um that's like kind of his game is is a really good guy with a power forward body but kind of like a wing scoring skill set kind of like a you know a mellow scoring skill set and he's so good in the mid-range that you're kind of like okay with him operating operating there um and having said that i think there's a little bit of concern of like, there's just a little margin for error if that's going to be his game, taking a lot of contested twos. But he's so good at it at this age that, you know, you're, you're going to buy it. You're, you're going to buy it for a 19 year old with with how well he can create his own shot and shoot off the dribble at 610, 250. It's just, you don't see it too often. And I think when you're comparing him to Chet, it's the basic argument of, of high risk and, and, and uh, I mean, a uh, high floor, high ceiling. Like he's got the higher floor than Chet, like Chet seems to be a little bit more risky because of his body. In Holmgren, you just feel has that more polished skill set in the body to come in right away and score. But, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of comparisons, Parker was always the guy that came to mind. Yeah, like a a, a bigger mellow, you know, um, I don't know. I can't think of anyone specific right off the bat. But that's, I, I was going to
0: throw of, uh, maybe a fellow Dookie out there, Jason, Jason Tatum maybe, like I, a little I, bit. I,
2: I think Tatum has a little more guard wiggle, like wiggle into his. You know, six if he really is six ten two fifty, like that's a massive guy, Mm -hmm. and so I don't know how well he's going to operate. Like Tatum is probably works ten feet further away from the basket than than uh, Paolo will. He's just like very good in the mid range and strong around the basket. He's like a power forward version of Tatum, which to me was like kind of Parker.
0: Yeah, yeah. What do you so? I guess th- this begs the next question, like from a Knicks perspective, obviously, and you know, this is all pipe dream stuff. Obviously we're talking about the Knicks potentially moving up to a top three pick in the lottery, which history tells us probably won't happen because it hasn't happened in like 30 years. But, um, you know, assuming that the Knicks would, would luck out and move into a spot, let's say they end up the number two pick or something, and they're staring, potentially taking Paolo or, uh, or, or, uh or, uh, Jabari? Jayden, Jabari Smith right. uh, mm-hmm. in the face here, you know, as one of those two guys. Do you think that one of those guys would be able to fit with a Julius Randle? Or do you think if the Knicks find themselves in that situation, they should kind of just say, all right, you know, the basketball gods have smiled upon us. Maybe it would be best to move on from Randle at this point while his value is at a relative high and just commit to building around these guys, free up that cap space or whatever, and, and allow ourselves another chance to, kind of take a stab at this in a couple years to be like truly competitive again.
2: There's so many what ifs with that. Like what, like It it's really just depends on what you can get for Randall. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm good. You know, I think the Knicks, the, the problem with the Knicks situation right now is like their ceiling is capped. Like how good can they really be? Even if Randall returns to form last year, um, on paper, like the Paolo Randall combo is just a bad news defensive mix. You know, again, how high is the Knicks defensive ceiling? If those are your two bigs, um, I like Jabari's fit better with the Knicks, just as a guy who is right like right away, he's shooting like 46% from downtown right now. And he's shown a lot of flashes of face-up creation and open floor ball handling. And like the sky is the limit for him. He's, he's the youngest of the top three, number one candidates. Should they trade Randall if they get a top three pick? They, the question is, I think, more of like, if they get a top pick, what can they get for that top pick? Because at this point, I think, their their goal is is going to be to try and win now and, and try and compete as fast as possible, but uh, it's going to come down to you know what they can get for these guys, what could, what they can get for a top pick, or what they can get for Randall.
1: Um, I know you mentioned in your mock draft that Smith has a ceiling of being number one, and maybe it's just track record of of doing this over the course of a full season. But what do scouts need to see from him for him to potentially overtake Holgrim or Banchero to be that top guy?
2: Well, he's got to keep shooting the way he does he's just pretty much got to be consistent. Just keep doing what he's doing. And it may take also some struggles from Paolo or Chet. Like if they take a step back while Jabari just continues to score 20 a game and shoot 40 plus percent from three and give you those, you know, one or two times a game of like a step back jumper or a coast to coast take. It just really comes down to consistency because coming in uh, Paolo, I mean, uh, Jabari was always like the project, you know, the guy who's probably going to not produce like Paolo and Chet but give you those flashes. But right now Jabari is putting up the same numbers as Paolo. And he's already got a much better three-point shot. And, uh, you know, the three-point shot's a big deal in today's world. And and, uh, we've seen Paolo have a little bit of struggles. We haven't really seen Jabari struggle yet. So um, I think it just comes down to consistency. And and for him to go number one, we're probably going to need to see Chet get exposed a little bit or Paolo uh, see his three ball really struggle and, and see him have some trouble with his midrange game. And eventually those numbers might drop.
0: Yeah. With Jabari, like, uh, so, you know, I'm well on record on this podcast. Like I, I don't shift into draft mode until the next season is effectively over with. So uh, as of right now, I'm speaking just on highlight packages and stuff, which is why we have you here to, to shed clarity on these things. But like, you know, when I was watching Jabari and some highlights my first thought is like wow not only can this guy shoot and he seems like a really good athlete but I think he's I think he has a pretty decent handle as well. I mean, where do you rank him, you know, we we already talked about this seems like a a class of like above average ball handling bigs and creation bigs. Where would you rank him in terms of, you know, where he's at versus Paolo or Chet? in like the handle department, because I mean, I've seen some clips of him, like getting the ball in transition, pulling out a little like behind the back dribble at full speed, you know, to then get all the way to the hoop and and get a dunk or whatever. It's, it's very impressive stuff, I think. And I look at that and I'm like, okay, so how much better are Paolo and Chet versus him to put them ahead of him at, at this point in the process? Like what's your kind of read on that and his, you know, the other things other than the shooting and the, and the big man stuff. uh with Yeah,
2: him. they're pretty close. They can all pull off, like, crazy moves for a big guy in terms of creating their own shot away from the basket. Having said that, like, those those highlights of Jabari, there are also lowlights where, like, he loses the ball out of bounds. And, you know, in tight spaces, you know, it's almost like 50-50. Like, is he going to pull the move off or is he going to turn the ball over? Jet could do it, but, you know, he, he just does it a little bit slower because – it just like, takes longer for the ball to bounce up to his gigantic yeah. body. Right. And, and, and it just moves a lot choppier and slower. Whereas Jabbar is a little more compact. And same thing with Pala. But they've all flashed that same level of self creation, which is what NBA guys want now in big men. Pretty much like the opposite of the Knicks centers. I guess Randall is different. But, but, um, bigs who play away from the basket and create their own shot, they all have it. They all have it in their game. And now it's just a matter of like tightening it. And so, uh, yeah, that's a a big selling point to all three of them.
0: All right. That's it for this episode with Jonathan Wasserman. He was so nice to give us enough for a two-parter in this. So we're going to come back and talk some more with John in another episode coming up next week. We're going to talk about some of the guys outside of that top three that he, uh, talked about in this episode. We're going to talk about Jaden Ivy, uh, why he could potentially be a perfect fit for the Knicks with his rim pressure that he offers and everything else. We talk about, Jalen Duran and his suspect fit, maybe in general, according to Wasserman, you know, he's pretty, pretty highly regarded in league circles, but as more of a traditional rim running big, we talk a little bit about how, you know, the draft strategy around those guys has changed, including a a little NFL comp in there. Uh, We talk about Ty Ty Washington, a guard from Kentucky, who, because he's from Kentucky, could potentially be a, a guy the Knicks might be interested in, but also a guy that John is way higher on than most and thinks could be the latest in a long line of Kentucky guards that have more to show in the NBA than in college. Jaden Hardy, uh, a player for the G league ignite. Who's having some, uh, you know, some efficiency concerns, but who John also makes an extremely concerning comparison to uh, as far as Knicks fans are concerned. So make sure to listen to that, to figure out what that one is, as well as a few other players, some guys that he's higher on, lower on than consensus uh, and where this class ranks compared to the last two draft classes which seem to have only happened over the last you know basically calendar year we've had we've had two and a half uh draft classes now where uh, we've been discussing them ad nauseum so uh we'll get john's thoughts on all that as well to finish up this early draft primer on the knicks uh but until next time thanks for listening be sure to subscribe on youtube if you haven't already Drop us a like uh that would be awesome Also, you know, we're, we're available on all other podcast platforms. So feel free to check us out wherever you listen to podcasts, but thank you for listening to locked on Knicks. We'll be back with a game recap of the Celtics game on Monday. And then the second part of this Wasserman pod as well as some other great stuff for you guys next week. So thanks for listening. Peace out. Talk to you all soon.